Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1, if you would, James chapter 1. We are going to conclude our series this morning on staying generous and staying positive. We're going to talk about staying generous. Now, I want to thank all of you for your giving. Uh, We, if you have not been in the kitchen in the fellowship hall, we did get new refrigerators and uh, we were excited. So thank you for your giving. Uh, The ones we had were uh, having issues. Uh, The freezer door would just randomly pop open throughout the week and stuff would thaw out. So... Uh, we thank you for giving, and we're able to get those put in. And also, uh, someone gave some money to uh, redo classrooms. And so we've been redoing classrooms going down the hall, and right now we're working on the preschool room. Uh, Pastor Kenny put up some new LED lights in there. It's way brighter, uh, which is a good thing when you have little kids, so you can find them. <laughs> so they could disappear in dark corners sometimes. And we're also going to be painting that this week. So if any of you have an unction to paint, let me know. We'll put you to work. Uh, But thank you for that as we're able to just kind of work down the row and just update some things. It's important to to keep the building up. So James chapter 1. We've been talking about how to stay positive in a negative world. And so today to conclude this series, we're going to talk about staying generous. Now, before you hit that switch and disconnect your brain, because like, oh, another message on giving. We're not just going to talk about giving today. We're going to talk about being generous with our lives, uh, with what we have. Because how many of you know generosity goes beyond just giving money? It's about giving your life, about giving your talents, giving your time, giving those things. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 17. I love James because James is very plain. Uh, the brother of Jesus, he was just really pragmatic. He was just, this is how life works. James 1.17 says this, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. And if you read one pass out, I didn't put it on the screen, but it says he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So he says anything that's good comes from what? God, right? Oh, not a trick question. Some of you are nervous. Like, think. <laughs> Whatever is good comes from God, right? And when we say good, we're not just talking about stuff. We're also talking about things God provides, right? Things that we enjoy because he loves us. And he says he never changes. And so anything that we have that's good comes from God. Now, you might say, well, I work to get that. Yeah, but where did your job come from? Now, some days you're like, I don't know if my job is good or not. I don't know if I want to blame God on that. But it's, it's the way he provides for us. I know when we were... When Amy and I were younger, we were newly married, and we had just one kid at the time. We were broke. I mean, we were broke, broke. And I was just praying, Lord, would you please provide for us? You know, we were youth pastors, and we are making a lot of money, and uh, she was working a job at the hospital, and, you know, I was just like, Lord, would you please provide? And I walked into this the movie rental store, you know, younger guys. Back in the day, you could rent DVDs at a store, not from a box. You went into a store. I was in there reading a movie to watch that night, and the lady said, hey, are you looking for a job? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> the guy was kind of, you asked me to provide, here's a job. I said, oh, I guess I kind of am looking for a job, and he provided a second job. 
It wasn't what I was looking for, but it was a good thing, right? He provides for us. So today we're going to talk about how to stay generous. But before we really get into the generosity part, I want to talk about provision. Two ways God provides for us. Um, So two ways to look at ways God provides for us. So the first thing I want to look at is we believe that God is our provider, right? We believe that God is the one who takes care of us and provides for us, right? He's the one that, James says, everything good comes from him. And in Psalm, Psalm 50, verses 9 through 12, the Lord is saying, I don't need bulls from your barns or goats from your pens. He's talking about the offerings. For he says, all the animals of the forest are whose? Mine. He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and all the animals in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. So we understand that God owns what? Everything, okay? That's where we're going to start from. God owns everything. It's all his. So anything that we have, our vehicles, our houses, our kids, you know, all the stuff that, that we say, you know, this is, this is mine, is actually whose? God's. We are just caretakers or stewards, right? So everything is his anyway. And so he's the one that provides. So when you get that paycheck from work, you always say, Lord, thank you for providing for us, right? When you get in the shower and you have hot water, you say, well, thank you, Lord, for hot water, right? Unless you're one of those cold shower people and I don't understand you. But <laughs> we, we say, thank you, Lord, for providing that, right? When we eat, what do we do? We always pause and say, Lord, thank you for the food that we're going to have, right? He's our provider. He owns it all. So because of that, we can view life through two different lenses. We can view life through a lens of scarcity or a lens of abundance. And say, well, what does that mean? <clears throat> if we believe that God owns everything, we believe that he is the one who provides that, right? <laughs> so if you look at it, the Lord says, I own Everything in the world, he owns everything under the world as well, right? All the oil, all the gas, all those different things. God owns everything. So if we look at life through a scarcity mindset, scarcity, I love this quote from Craig Rochelle. He says, scarcity starts in the mind before it moves to the wallet. So when I say a lens of scarcity, scarcity says that there's never going to be what? Enough. And so that carries over into every part of our lives because if I believe that there's not going to be enough, then I don't want to give anything away, right? Right? Because if I believe if I give it to you, then there's not going to be enough for me. And many of us live our lives with that mindset. If I give something away, there's not going to be enough. Now, especially those of you who grew up without a lot of things. I remember when I was in college, any of you had the experience of digging in your couch to find change to put gas in the car to go to work? Like, I literally, that's not a, I literally was dumping my couch over trying to get enough gas to get to work. Like, I was broke. I can't eat ramen noodles, like to this day. I ate so many ramen noodles in the summers when I, when I was in college because that was all I could afford. I hate them. I can't eat them. My kids are like, oh, we should have ramen. So like, they will not enter my home. Like, I will not eat ramen noodles anymore. I kid you not. I tried them a little while back. I was like, oh, I'll try the, you know, the fancy ones that you open the package and dump in the water. Still ramen noodles. I couldn't, can't do it. So many of us that grew up with that mindset we still have that. And guys, I, I'll be honest, this is something I still struggle with. I really want to be a generous person, but I still have to break that in me that says there's not going to be enough because I believe that God is my what? Provider. I believe that if God tells me to give it, he's going to provide more. I still have this weird thing, like sometimes I don't use the bottom of a shampoo bottle. 
because I want to make sure there's enough. So I'll put it on the Walmart list. We'll get another one. And I'll stick it away somewhere. Amy's like, why do you have four bottles of shampoo down here? It's like, well, in case I run out, I want to have a little bit extra. <laughs> She's like, there's an entire store down the street. It costs $2. We can get that. It's okay. I have to break that mindset, right? So we view either life through a scarcity mindset or through an abundance mindset. So scarcity is fixated on what I don't have. Abundance looks at what God has, right? I believe that when I look at life through an abundance thing, that God can do that. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, All glory to God who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish what? Infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Again, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or in the NIV, he says abundance, right? An abundant life. That's why there's so many churches called abundant life, because we believe that God wants to give over and above what we need, right? So here's the thing, guys. When we look at life and we say, God wants me to be generous with my time, okay, no problem. He wants me to be generous with my abilities, yeah, no problem. He wants me to be generous with my finances. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> if I give it to you, then I'm not going to have enough. But an abundance mindset says, if God is the one who gave it to me in the first place, and I give it away, he can provide it again. And how many of you have ever seen when God tells you to give something and you do it and you're obedient, he gives back more than you had before, right? You ever notice that? He does that. He provides that. So I want to look at a story in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, it's going to be kind of our main story for the day, 2 Kings chapter 4. This is an incredible story from the Old Testament, one of the prophets named Elisha. Elisha was the one who took over after Elijah went up into heaven, so he was God's spokesman on the ground. And this is during a very difficult time because the kings of Israel had turned the nation away from God. So there weren't very many people following, G following the Lord at this point, following God. A lot of them were turning to idols of the nations around them because that's what everybody else was doing, right? And they kind of wanted to hedge their bets. They would still worship God, but they'd also worship um, this God that was for corn, you know, the, the crop God. They would worship them. And this God was the weather God. So they would offer sacrifice to them, make sure they had enough water. Instead of trusting God to be their provider, they were kind of having all these other extra gods to worship. And so at this time, one of the prophets had died, and he left his wife and his kid. So it says in verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now at this time, if you owed a debt and you couldn't pay it, they could actually come and take your children as slaves to pay off that debt. That was legal to do. And she said, these guys are coming. They're not just coming to take my home. They're taking my kids. And what happens if you're a widow and your kids are taken away from you? What do you have? You have nothing. Because the kids could farm. They could do the crops. They could do those things to provide for their mom. So literally, they were going to take everything that she had. So what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? And what does she say? Nothing, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, well, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. 
there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay all your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. So this lady was told, go get as much as you have, and God is going to provide for you. Okay? So let's look now at how this story teaches us how God provides. So the first thing I want to notice is never underestimate what God can do with what you have. Never underestimate what God can do with what you have. Now, remember, he said, what do you have in your home? And she said, what? Nothing. Oh, well, I do have a little bit of olive oil, like maybe enough to, to do a salad or something. But that's it. That's all I have. And he said, God is going to provide for you with what you have in your home. So scarcity, when we talked about earlier, is fixated on what we lack, but abundance is focused on what we have. Scarcity is fixated on what we lack, but abundance is focused on what we have. In other words, don't ever underestimate what God can do with what we have in our possession. And guys, so many of us think, well, there's nothing that God can do with me. I just don't have that much. Never underestimate what God has given you. Never underestimate what God can do through you with what you have. So we want to have an abundance mindset, right? Now, there, we've got some farmers in the room, some agriculture folks. How big is a seed, a corn seed? Small, pretty small, right? What does that thing grow? In abundance. Those of you who have gardens, you realize you put a little bit of seed in the ground, and then God somehow makes us all this come out of this small seed, right? Sometimes what we have is a seed that God wants to do something with. You might say, well, you know, I don't have a lot of talents. I don't have a lot of abilities. I don't have a lot of money. God can do incredible things through what you have now. So never, ever underestimate it. Because little can become much when God gets involved. Little can become much when God gets involved. So when Elijah told her, get as many jars as you can, shut the door and start pouring. It's like, I can, you know, it's just this. There's not much. It would have been really easy for her to do what? Crazy prophet. Where's the shirt made out of hair? Why would I listen to him, right? But she decided to do it. She took a step of what? Faith, right? And the abundance was how much she had. How many jars did they go and borrow, right? And it was kind of a crazy thought, but she stepped out in faith. And that little bit when she stepped out in faith became a lot. And guys, please hear me. Some of you say, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of, a lot of talent. I don't have a lot of time. But when we take the little that we have and we step out in faith and say, Lord, would you use it? It becomes a lot. People have changed communities with just a little bit of faith. People have changed Nathan's. Nathan's. (laughs) Nathan's out there. Yeah, absolutely. People have changed nations with Nathan's, right? With what little they have, right? So we need to trust God with what we have, and he will provide... We need to trust God to use what we have, and he'll provide what we need, right? We trust God to use what we have and to provide the things that we need. So instead of hanging on to it and hoarding it, we need to let it go. And there are some incredible stories sitting in this room right now of people who have trusted God with what they had. I didn't ask them to use them, but there was a guy in our church, and he was in a rough spot financially. And he said, I want to reach some of my neighbors. And so he started using what he had. He had an old beat-up vehicle. He started bringing kids to church. Before long, some of these kids are graduating from high school now. It's crazy. 
And this guy didn't have much, and he, he kept telling me, Pastor, I really want to tithe. I want to tithe, but I don't have the money. And so I did the pastoral thing. Well, pray about it. See what God says to you, right? Because you can't say, yes, give. So pray about it. See what God says. So Sir Lee's like, I really feel like God wants me to tithe. And so he started tithing. And guess what God provided? A better job. And then he said, wow. So he started talking to another guy. The other guy said the same thing. I can't tithe. I don't have the money. He said, hey, let me tell you, trust God. God did the same thing with him, provided a better job with more money, right? And so it's amazing. And Gary and Neda, they're not here today. But, you know, they're retired. But you know what they do? They'll drive people anywhere. There's a lot of people they bring to church because they say, hey, we got a car. We'll drive you. They've taken people to Kearney for doctor's appointments. They've taken people to Lincoln. Roger Cluse and Judy, they'll drive people. I don't know how many people they've driven to Lincoln and back. They said, hey, we're available. God use us, right? So it doesn't matter what you have, how much you have, how little you have. If we trust God to use what we have and provide what we don't, he'll do it. It's amazing how he can be faithful, right? So Kathy is a retired lady. She tutors. She helped one of my kids get through math, <laughs> high school math, because I couldn't do it. So just let God use the things that you have. And here's the thing, guys. God often does the extravagant with what seems insignificant. God will do the extravagant with what seems insignificant. The little that we have, we can give it to him. God provided for this family, not just to pay off their debts and to keep the kids out of debtor's prison, but he said, live off what's, re- the, what's left. I cannot talk today. I apologize. He said, live off what's left over. Was that a lot? Yeah, to retire on? That's quite a bit. And God provided for that family with just a tiny amount of oil. That little bit of oil and their faith became a bunch. She didn't borrow just one jar. She borrowed as many as she could find, right? Jesus said, if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can do what? Move mountains. So guys, if, it doesn't matter how much you have, how much talent, how much time, how much finances. If you take that little bit and say, Lord, use it, he will. He'll do incredible things. And you can be generous. In Luke 17, verses 5 and 6, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, maybe you be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. And here's the thing that should encourage many of us. God specializes in doing huge things through unlikely sources. God specializes in doing huge things through unlikely sources. Some of the greatest people God has used in the Bible are people that we would have passed over. Right? Have you read the biographies on some of the disciples? Have you looked at some of the people that God used in the Old Testament even? One of my favorites is a guy named Gideon. You guys have heard his story. He was hiding from the Midianites, and God said, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. And he said, what, what me? You talking to me? And he saved the nation through this unlikely guy, and he did it with a tiny army because Midian had, or, uh, Gideon had all these soldiers, and the Lord said, yeah, you can't use that many because then you're going to think you did this on your own. So he cut him down to 200 guys, or to 300, and he rescued a nation. Remember in the New Testament, when Jesus fed the 5,000, what did he feed them with? A couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread, a poor kid's meal, and he fed all these people. So guys, when you're faithful with the things God has given you, whether it's your finances, whether it's your time, whether it's your abilities, 
whether it's your home, God can use you to do incredible things. And as you keep saying yes, he keeps doing more. And one of the best ways that this is illustrated is with the concept of tithing. So when we give to the Lord that 10% that he asked for of our finances, God takes that 90% and does extraordinary things with it, right? It's incredible what God does when we are faithful to give. In Malachi chapter, eight, chapter 3, verse 8, listen to what he says. Should people, he's talking to the people of Israel through the prophet, kind of a um, conversational tone. But he says, should people cheat God, but you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Listen to what he says. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, how many of you remember your parents when you were kids saying, test me? You ever heard that? If I ever did, it was a bad, bad thing. My dad said, try it. Try me. I said, nope, no, no, I'm not going to do that. In this case, the Lord says, test me. See if I will do what I say. You know how many times that happens in Scripture? Just that one time is all I've ever found. That he says, test me, try me. If you will be faithful to me, I will be faithful to you, is what he's saying. And what is the storehouse? Well, in the Old Testament, the storehouse, he said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. That was the temple. In the New Testament, that's the local church. He says, bring your finances so that you can do, the church can do the work that I've called it to do. And the church is not the building. The church is the people, right? But really, guys, tithing is all about trust. Really, that's what it comes down to. Do I trust God with what he says he will do? Do I trust him enough to give regularly? Do I trust him enough to take that 10% that we all give and use it to help reach the community, to help reach the world? And guys, we've seen this local church has outreach all over the world, literally all over the world, because you guys give. Because of your faithfulness, we're able to do things all literally, Madagascar, all over Europe, Central Asia, all these different places that when we have a missionary come, we have them come so you can hear what God is doing through your giving. So you can see the outreach that you have. Do I trust God enough to take that 90% that I have left over and provide for my family? And I can tell you, he does in incredible ways. So it's that giving. But here's the thing, guys. God's abundance often follows our steps of faith. If we want God to do something with us and through us, we have to be willing to take steps of faith. So the Lord provided for the widow's family when she took a step of faith. They took steps of faith by finding jars and having God fill them, by going into their room alone and shutting the door. Now, think about this. Elisha said, go into your house, shut the doors, and then do this. What does that mean? Elisha wasn't there when she did the jars, right? He said, I want you to go into your house alone, you and your sons, and shut the door. Why do you think God did that? He didn't want Elisha in the room because he didn't want Elisha getting credit for it. It was him 
It was the Lord providing for that family in the privacy of their home when they took a step of what? Faith. Because then it said, then she went and found the man of God. Then he said, here, go sell it now. But they did it alone because they took a step of faith, right? And we see this over and over in Scripture. When the Israelites are going into the promised land and the, the Jordan River was swollen and flood stage, when did the water actually stop flowing? When the priest took a step of faith, literally, into the river with the Ark of the Covenant. They stepped in the water and the water stopped. When did the walls of Jericho stop, fall? When they walked around it. Strangest battle plan ever. They walked around the wall, blew a trumpet, the walls fell down. Because they took a step of what? Faith. So guys, I believe God is speaking to some of us in this room, maybe some of us watching online. God has been talking to you about a step of faith. Maybe it's stepping out to teach a class. Maybe it's stepping out to talk to a neighbor. Maybe God is talking to you about giving faithfully. Whatever that step of faith is, God doesn't usually do the work until we take the step. Because we often get generosity backwards. We often get, what does that mean? We get generosity backwards. Well, a lot of us say, okay, God, you bring in abundance and I'll give out of that, right? You fill my bank account and then I'll start being faithful and generous, right? That's what cracks you up when people say, well, you know, when I win the lottery, then I'm going to start taking control of my finances. <laughs> it doesn't happen. We have to get things in order first, then God brings the increase, right? And so we say, well, Lord, you know, when I have enough money and I have extra, then I'll start being generous. And he's saying, start being generous, then you'll have extra because he provides. Now, I'm not going to get up here and say, you know, if you give this, then God's going to give this increase because I don't know. Sometimes God provides financially. Sometimes God provides through peace. Sometimes God provides through a new job, right? <laughs> sometimes God provides through other ways. But when we are faithful, he says he will be faithful back. The parable of the talents in the New Testament. One guy got 10, one guy got five, one guy got like two, right? And so when they were put it to work and they were faithful, then God brought more. So a lot of us have a hard time being faithful because we are afraid that there won't be enough for us. That's why we have to look through the lens of abundance. And when we give joyfully, then God provides an abundance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul's talking to the church in Corinth about giving an offering to help those who are in need. And listen to what he says. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And this is not just, he was talking about giving money, but it's all, all giving. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with those in need. Did you catch that? God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they shared freely and gave generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase in your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way, so you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So Paul's saying the exact same thing. He says, when we start and when we choose to be generous, and we do it joyfully because we're not 
doing it, you know, to paint the walls in the church. We're doing it because we trust God. Then he said, he will provide what? Everything we need plus an abundance to share. So guys, I want to challenge you this morning if, as the worship team comes up. I want to challenge you to really say, Lord, where do you want me to be generous? Are you asking me to give faithfully? Are you asking me to start taking a step of faith and, and doing a ministry? Are you asking me to start having people over to my home for dinners? Are you asking me to whatever that might be? So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning, if you're able. Lord, we are so thankful this morning that you are the one who provides for everything that we need. And then we're asking you to help us to stay positive in this negative world. And one of the ways to do that is by being generous, being generous with our time, being generous with our finances, being generous with the things that we have, or being generous with the talents and abilities you've given us. And so, Lord, I just pray that all across this room and all those watching online this morning, that you would speak to us. Lord, would you show us how you want us to be generous? Lord, you might be speaking to some of us today about stepping into a ministry or maybe starting a new ministry. Lord, you might be speaking to some of us today about volunteering somewhere. You might be speaking to some of us about giving faithfully. We haven't done it in the past because we didn't know if there would be enough. But Lord, maybe you're speaking to us about that. Lord, you might be speaking to us about using something that we have to do something for someone else. Or whatever they may be, Lord, would you just speak to our hearts? And Lord, help us to be generous people with everything that you've given us. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I don't have a relationship with Christ like you've been talking about, but I want that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins. I want to start a relationship with him. That's you. Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? We're just going to pray with you today. If you're here today and you say, you know, God is really challenging me to be generous. Generous with my time, generous with my resources. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I just really sense God speaking to me about being generous. And then last, if you're here today and you say, you know, I have this scarcity mentality. Maybe it came from my upbringing. Maybe it just came from the way the economy's been. But I just, I'm always afraid there's not going to be enough. But I want God to show me that he's a God of abundance. I just need to change my thinking. If that's you, would just raise your hand right where you're at. Yeah. Lord, I just pray for all those who raise their hands. Lord, maybe you're speaking to some of us about being generous. Maybe you're speaking to some of us about changing the way that we look at provision and knowing that you will be the one that provides. But Lord, would you help us to take steps of faith and to trust in you to be generous. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to close with the song here this morning. If you want to pray about one of these things, you can come down to the front. Someone will meet you here. If you have a need and you want to come down and pray, someone will meet you here and pray with you as well.